We're returning to 1 Peter, and as you remember, this was written to believers that were suffering under persecution. I was, I'm amazed at the persecution that goes on around the world, and um, the cause of Christ, how it is a... A, a very divisive, a divisive principle, a divisive person. Jesus Christ is. I read recently, just this last week, um, as you know, in the last election in California, they had Proposition Eight regarding the. Um, homosexual marriages, and, and uh, it was defeated to not allow homosexual marriage. They, they voted to not allow homosexual marriages. And now, of course, it's going to court and all of that. Uh, one of the men that was, uh, was uh, one of the leaders in, in helping bring the victory um, has had his home vandalized and has received death threats and and just um, an amazing and I just as I read that I just stopped and thought you know that's right here in America for taking a a biblical principle and standing by it and um, I believe that we as Christians need to be prepared for whatever may come as a result of taking a stand for truth. It is a, it is a neat thing that truth never changes. Um, we come in this morning at breakfast. If truth changed, it wouldn't be truth, right? Truth is always the same, and, um, and we rejoice in that. But Peter... In helping these that are enduring great suffering, had just reminded them that they need to make sure that they're suffering for doing what is right. And in verse 15 of chapter 3, he said, I want you to set apart God in your life and be ready always to give an answer. To whoever may ask you, why are you doing what you're doing? For the reason of the hope that is within you. And he went on again and he said, make sure you have a clear conscience. And um, make sure that you're suffering for doing right. Then he goes in to verse 18. And we could look at verses 18 through 22 as just a description of um, the gospel, so to speak. And indeed it is, but it is tied to helping these believers handle suffering. And what Peter brings it to, he, he said, make sure that you suffer for doing what is right. And then verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, 
but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism, doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now we find Peter gives a clear description of of the work of Jesus Christ, but he's tying this to their suffering. And he says, you have been called to suffer, and Christ, Christ also was called to suffer for us. So he's holding Christ's suffering as the model for us suffering. Now, none of us here are, as far as I know, under severe persecution because of our love for Jesus Christ. But as a Christian, you may be caused, have cause to suffer for various stands that you may take. Um, sometimes it may be just um, maybe you are saved and, and many of your family members are not, and they may just kind of look at you like, you know, I just I just don't get what what you're up to. Haven't you taken this a little overboard or uh, too far? Or uh, maybe on the job um, you have a testimony that you're a believer, and and maybe people will make you know st- snide comments about it or or um, uh, mock it in some regard. Well, regardless of what what comes our way because of Jesus Christ, we need to be looking to Christ as the model in every area of our life. And in this particular that he's dealing with, is dealing with Jesus Christ as the model for our suffering. Now, it is clearly evident that Jesus Christ suffered. Needless to say, on the cross, he suffered. But I want us to look and to take some principles from this that hopefully we can apply to our life. In verse 18, For Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Number one, Jesus Christ suffered undeservingly. It was the just suffering for the unjust. The idea that Peter... Um, was fixing their attention on was this. Jesus Christ was just. He was innocent. We know He was without sin. And in so doing, He came and took our sin. In taking our sin, it was the just suffering wrongfully, if you please, And he bore patiently the suffering that came to him in perfect innocency. 
in unspotted righteousness, he suffered the severest manner of suffering because of our unrighteousness. The point of bringing Christ into this passage was this. Jesus suffered undeservingly, and we should make sure that we suffer undeservingly. It's not that we need to go out and look for suffering. If suffering comes, they better not be mocking us because we're not a diligent worker on the job, or because we're dishonest, or because we are immoral, it better be an undeserved suffering for doing what is right. Case in point, Daniel. They said, you know, we want to find something to accuse him. And they said, you'll never find anything with Daniel. His morals, his integrity, his uh, diligence, his work, his motives, you won't find anything. If you're going to find anything that you want to trump something up against Daniel, it's going to have to be about his relationship with his God. And Daniel suffered. And the three Hebrews suffered. Accusations, Joseph, another example. But it was undeserved. It was something they had to establish between God and them, that they would not violate their conscience. Christ the just suffered for us that are unjust. In the same manner, we may be called to suffer for the cause of Christ. And what Peter is saying is, make sure it is for the cause of Christ and for no other reason. Too many in the world today are able to point toward a professed Christian and say, well, look at that. Look at their life. They profess to be a Christian, and you can't trust a word they say. They profess to be a Christian, and they'd soon rip you off when it comes to money as anything. That is not um, suffering undeservedly. Jesus Christ came, and the model that Peter's holding out is that you make sure that it is an undeserved suffering, as Christ the just for the unjust. Secondly, Jesus Christ's suffering was willingly. The reason he suffered is because He willingly bore our sin. No man forced Him. His suffering, really, it was true and proper punishment for our sins. He became, literally, the substitute for our sins. He became uh, the one that took our place. Asa, would you come up here a minute? Let, let's just say that, that um, Asa did wrong and deserved severe punishment. And it was his responsibility. He did the wrong. He deserved the punishment. He represents all of us. Okay? We did the wrong. This breaks down immediately now, okay? 
I am representing Jesus Christ. I have done wrong, but I'm just representing Jesus Christ. So try to separate that in your mind, okay? Jesus Christ, the just, came for the unjust. And He became the substitute. You are on the bench now. Sit down. I am the one that is the substitute. So, in a certain regard, it was undeserved of Jesus Christ, but because He became your substitute and my substitute, it was deserved sin. He bore our sin and He bore our penalty. He literally took my place. As I took His place, He literally came and took my place. He bore my sin, the penalty of my sin, the shame of my sin, and the suffering of my sin. But He did it willingly. Back up here again. No one made Him. Remember, they, Jesus Christ came and said, No man can take my life from me. I, take, I willingly step in and become the substitute. You can go to that bench this time, okay? I willingly bear this suffering. Do you understand? Christianity is all voluntary. God forces no one to serve Him. He forces no one to suffer for Him. It is willingly that we must bear the cross. Christianity differs greatly from the other religions of the world because it is Freely we must come to Him, and freely we submit to Him, and freely we walk with Him, and we must willingly take up our cross and follow Him. So see, it comes down to this. Am I willing, and this is a hard question to answer, because uh, we really don't know the full ramifications, but it comes down to this. Am I committed to Christ regardless? Willingly. Am I committed to Christ regardless? If it means I will lose my job, am I committed to Christ? If it means I'll be separated from my family, am I committed to Christ? Do you understand these are questions that millions of people on the face of the earth have to answer today. If it means that I will not know where my next meal comes from, am I still committed to Christ? If it means I may go to jail, am I committed to Christ? Am I willing? As Jesus Christ was willing. And what Peter's what Peter's saying to these people is you know, we need to be willing undeservedly to bear this suffering, but willing regardless because Christ means more to me than anything else. Now, for me to stand here and say, you know what, no matter what happens, 
I'll never deny Christ. I know my flesh. I know how weak my flesh is. And by the grace of God, that's what I desire to do. But, you know, we need to build our faith so that no matter what storm comes in life, no matter what suffering we may bear, that we would be willing to bear the cross. And He willingly suffered for us. Thirdly, you notice in verse 18, Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Thirdly, His suffering was purposeful, that He might bring us to God. You understand? Asa, come back up here again, okay? So, um, Willie, you want to come up here again? Again, first time over here, okay? Willie represents God. I represent Jesus Christ. Asa represents sinners. Jesus Christ did not come to become our substitute just so that people would say, Wow! What a teacher. What a man. Jesus came with this purpose. To take our sin so that we could be brought back to fellowship with God. Notice what it says. That He might bring us to God. Not just to save us from hell. Not just to take away our sin. If our sins are taken away and we don't have fellowship with God, what good is that? And I really fear many Christians are content with my sins are taken away and they've never come to enjoy fellowship with God. Jesus Christ came with this purpose in mind to bring us to the Father. It is so interesting to me. It's not only this. We were separated in sin. We had no access to the Father, but Jesus Christ came, became our substitute. The terminology that is used here means we have access to the Father and that the Father gives us a hearing. The Father doesn't turn His back. The Father doesn't even just kind of look there and say, give a nod and a wink and, okay, I see you. This is, the Father is there and He says, tell me. The Father is there and is anxious to... We have a hearing with God the Father. Incredible. And that was the purpose. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. That was the purpose of Jesus Christ coming. To give us access to the Father. To bring us to fellowship with Him. Now, what about our suffering? Our suffering, every suffering that we may endure has a purpose. And that purpose, I won't ask Willie to come back up here, but that purpose comes back to the Father. That purpose is to glorify the Father. Every suffering. There is not a suffering that will enter your life that is just there because. God has a purpose for every suffering that you bear. 
And the ultimate purpose, we may not know the path, but ultimately the suffering is to glorify God. Now, as I said, in some situations, uh, we may just have to, by faith, keep saying, God, my purpose is to glorify you in this. I don't understand it all, but my purpose is to glorify you. So, God, I want to give thanks to you. I want to respond rightly to you in, in this. I want to bear this suffering properly because my purpose is to glorify you. Every suffering has a purpose, and it is to glorify God. Now, you notice back in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Christ modeled for us that to properly respond to suffering, it must be supernatural. Christ Jesus suffered supernaturally. He was put to death in the flesh, but He was quickened by the Spirit. Do you understand? It is only by the power of God's Spirit that we can properly respond to suffering. Our flesh will not and cannot properly respond to suffering. It won't happen. And, and that's why it is so imperative that we walk in the Spirit, that we develop our relationship with the Spirit of God, that we become sensitive to being controlled by God's Spirit. Listen, if I, if I keep saying to the, to the Spirit on these little things, that the Spirit prompts me, oh, I don't need to do that, I don't need to do that. When it comes time that there is genuine suffering in my life, I am not going to be able to step up my game, so to speak. I'm not just going to be able to respond properly to suffering. It, it, it's developed here as we walk in the Spirit. It must be a supernatural response to suffering. And supernaturally, it begins walking in the Spirit. And he calls it walking in the Spirit. The most basic form of transportation is walking. Just one step after another after another. What does the Spirit want me to do now? What does the Spirit now? And God's Spirit, I need your direction. And it is learning to walk in God's Spirit that we respond. And as we learn that in the day in and day out, when the times of suffering come, we'll have the Spirit's empowerment in our life. We end up bankrupt because we've never deposited anything in the, the walk in the Spirit. We haven't walked in the Spirit. Do you understand the Spirit of God wants to direct every detail of your life? And I find it fascinating. He was put to death in the flesh but he was made alive by the Spirit. And the analogy that Peter's bringing out here, he said, there will be things that will come into your life that will be completely overwhelming, and the only way that you will be able to respond is by supernatural grace of God ministered through the Spirit of God. 
And that comes by feeding the Spirit through His Word, by obeying the Spirit, and depending on the Spirit. And it's, it's supernatural. Now, in this, He said, Jesus Christ undeservedly, we need to make sure that we're not suffering for wrongdoing. He willingly, we need to say, God, here I am. However you want to purposefully glorify God in my life, I am willing. What Paul say? Whether it be by life or by death, my purpose is to magnify Jesus Christ. You know, that's easy to say until something comes into our path. Well, I didn't know it would involve this. Do you understand? Whatever comes into our life, God desires to magnify His name through it. But it can only be done by the Spirit of God. Now, in this, there's a key word that's mentioned in this that separates Christ from all of us and our suffering. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. This is an important principle that we cannot overlook. The merit and the perfection of Christ's sacrifice were such that there was never any suffering that was needed to fulfill His work. His work is fulfilled and finished and complete. Turn, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. It's, it's fascinating to me uh, to see how this is brought out in the book of Hebrews. Notice Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27. Hebrews 7 and verse 27. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself. Referring to Jesus Christ. Notice if you look in chapter 9 and verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ hath once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He appeared, He offered to appear to bear our sins, and He did it once. Notice if you'd look in um, chapter 10 and verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which never can take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Notice, one 
offering. It is finished, he said. The payment is made complete. All the Old Testament sacrifices, the sin offerings, the trespass offerings, all of those complete in Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is using the gospel message to model before us how to properly respond to suffering. But he also presents the gospel and he reminds us again that Jesus Christ did this once. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. He's exhorting them to run the race, to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets, and to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then he comes to verse 3. And he says, For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Consider him. He's saying, in the midst of your suffering, stop and look to Jesus and consider him lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Do you understand? Never, never will anyone be able to say, I have suffered more than you, Jesus. I don't care if it's emotional suffering. I don't care if it's physical suffering. Whatever area, Jesus Christ bore the greatest suffering possible, and He says, consider Him lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Tonight, we're going to be um, considering Him. We're going to take time to remember uh, the Lord's Supper. The whole purpose of it is to consider Him. And in part, it's to consider, you know, what you suffered, Jesus, what you're asking me to bear in this life is nothing compared to what you suffered. I remember a number of years ago, I went to visit a lady that was 36 years old, dying of cancer. And, uh, and as I went to visit her, um, her attitude was just phenomenal. And she made this statement. She said, Why would I have anything to complain about? God has allowed me to live three years longer than He allowed His own Son to live. And I just stopped, and, and that just hit me. It stuck with me all these years. She was considering Him rather than considering herself. And when we consider Him, we'll see a model of how to respond to suffering. And we'll see what He calls us to, and we'll see that God has a purpose for suffering. And we'll see His great love for us when we consider Him. Our problem is we don't consider Him enough. We compare ourselves with others and we compare our suffering and I don't have this and I don't have that and, 
And I don't know why I have to go through this. The problem is we need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And really, that's what Peter did here. He wrote to these believers and he called their attention to Jesus Christ. And he said, do you understand Jesus did this undeservingly? He did this willingly. He had a definite purpose in mind when he did this. And he did it by the Spirit of God. Consider him lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would help us to consider you. Lord, I pray that truly our eyes would be taken off ourself, off the circumstances we're in, off the world that we're living in, and Lord, that we truly would consider you. Thank you for once for all paying the penalty of our sin. Lord, thank you for coming as our substitute to bring us to the Father. And I pray for any person here today that has never accepted your substitutionary payment for sin. Lord, I pray today that they would call upon you and be brought to the Father. Then, Lord, I pray for believers here today. Lord, only you know the suffering that some may be bearing even today. Lord, I pray that their hearts would be encouraged as they consider you. And I pray that they would, by your Spirit, be able to respond in such a manner that you would be mightily glorified through their suffering. Lord, thank you that we're not left here purposeless. Thank you that you are at work in our lives, molding and shaping, and that we can glorify you in life, and in death. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's